Hello and welcome to Dare to Know, interviews with quality and reliability thought leaders. I'm Tim Rogers, and today I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Muhammad Madaris. Dr. Madaris is the Nicole Y. Kim Eminent Professor at the University of Maryland's A.J. Clark School of Engineering and the Director for the Center of Risk and Reliability. Under his leadership, the university's Reliability Engineering Graduate Program has grown to become an internationally recognized center for research and education and has graduated over 400 masters and PhDs in risk and reliability. Dr. Madars received his MS in mechanical engineering and his PhD in nuclear engineering from MIT. He is a University of Maryland Distinguished Scholar Teacher and a fellow of the American Nuclear Society. His research interests include probabilistic risk assessment, physics of failure, reliability analysis of complex systems, and most recently, prognosis and health management. He has served as a consultant to several government agencies, private organizations, and national laboratories. The third edition of his book, Reliability Engineering and Risk Analysis, A Practical Guide, was published by Taylor and Francis in 2017. Dr. Madaris, welcome, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. It's a great honor to have you here today. Dr. Madaris, some of our listeners may not know much about the Center for Risk and Reliability at the University of Maryland. Can you tell us a little bit about the history and current mission of the center and maybe some of the degree programs that are available? Yes, uh, the Center for Reliability, Risk and Reliability uh, was uh, established uh, in 1985, uh, and uh, it was the original uh, uh, umbrella center or umbrella organization to uh, gather the expertise in risk and reliability analysis at the School of Engineering at University of Maryland. And one of its missions was to also at the same time to look into establishing an educational uh, program in reliability engineering. Um, So uh, we were surprised at the time that there were a number of expertise in different uh, engineering schools in reliability engineering and risk analysis uh, at that time exist in various areas. Um, and uh, we kind of, at that time, embarked on developing a curriculum in reliability engineering also, one of its first kind. Um, so we developed this uh, educational program, which offers master, as you noted in, in the introduction, uh, master and PhD in, uh, in, in uh, reliability engineering. Uh, Originally, it started under the nuclear engineering program for uh, up to 1989, and then from 1989, it became an independent uh, program that offers its own degrees in these areas. It probably was the first of a kind uh, in the United States offering uh, degrees specifically in nuclear, uh, I mean, in in reliability engineering and and, uh, um, previously, there had been programs in, in reliability engineering, but they were under mechanical engineering or other programs. Sure. Um, so, so generally, this was one of its first of a kind that actually had its own curriculum. 
um, and it became very, very successful. Uh, it's been in existence since then. Uh, we had a celebration of our 25th year of, uh, of existence, um, but four years ago, and uh, it was very successful. So um, we have had uh, the traditional students coming from bachelor's degree to get a master's degree. Uh, or PhD, and we have also uh, a professional program that hosts uh, people from different uh, companies or organizations to uh, seek degrees in reliability engineering. Um, so that was the the, the genesis of uh, of the center itself, uh, and of course the other mission of the center was its. Uh, uh, develop a, a research, uh, or being a research arm of the university, kind of um, collect all these expertise from different de- departments and 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 uh, um, apply for different grants and research projects from various areas of uh, of the discipline. Being a systems engineering type, systems type question reliability could answer questions in all kinds of areas, space, defense, civil aviation, nuclear energy, petroleum industry, medical information systems, civil infrastructure, all kinds of areas. So when we've been involved in all of these areas under this center, drawing from about uh, um, uh, 10 or so faculty members who are permanent uh, members of the center and another 10 who are, you know, affiliates with the center. You know, I I think that's one of the real strengths of the center is that it is interdisciplinary uh, and that you really can take a systems engineering approach. I think that's fantastic. Yes. So that's, uh, that has been, and we are actually, um, have people uh, from, we have a systems engineering program also at the University of Maryland who are uh, collaborating with the, with the reliability engineering very closely. And, and, and so it's been really a very wonderful experience for us. Uh, and uh, to the point that some other universities are kind of copying our, our model, both in the sure. United States and also overseas. I'm not surprised at all. You know, Dr. Madaris, it seems like a lot of engineers today graduate with just a very, very limited exposure to reliability engineering in the classroom. You know, they they learn mechanical engineering or electrical engineering or, or nuclear engineering, but they don't really spend much time on reliability engineering. They're expected to learn reliability engineering sort of on the job. Um, can you talk a little bit about the value of pursuing a, an advanced degree in reliability engineering? Um, sure. Uh, I, I think um, I, uh, there is uh, definitely a lot to learn on the job, uh, the kinds of uh, topics, uh, and you could be very successful uh, indeed, uh, still being a, a well-rounded uh, mechanical engineer or electrical engineer and uh, gain uh, uh, reliability experience on the job. Uh, so there is a there is a, a a platform there to learn. There are quite a bit of uh, courses and uh, short courses that people usually attend. So that's uh, that has been traditionally uh, existed and uh, and and still being used. Um, the value of education, on the other hand, is uh, 
is a is a, is a totally different uh, in a sense because it's uh, education uh, in reliability engineering would be kind of a step stone uh, into getting into a a well a, a a more comprehensive and and more um, uh, well-rounded uh, uh, person in in the, in the subject area. The person will come with a significant amount of tools and techniques that they would learn in the in the during their course of education, and they can use those tools and techniques uh, to its maximum uh, usage once they come into a to a job. It doesn't say that they are having. Uh, completely, uh, they can do the job at their at their best, uh, but they have still to learn some experience. But mm -hmm. they do have the tools that makes them uh, uh, much more efficient. Um, they can actually uh, do a far better job because of using these kinds of different techniques that they have in their inventory. Uh, so we have found uh, that people who really go through our education, they become lifetime reliability engineers, and they can adapt to the area very fast. Um, they would never leave the jobs. We found that reliability engineers who actually get their experience through the job, um, uh, sometimes they stay in that area for a very long time. They stay in the narrow area, but sometimes they also switch to other areas. Mm -hmm. And they change. So there is a more turnaround on those kind of expertise as opposed to people who go through an education in reliability engineering. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so we find, uh, we find actually our graduates have, have made a significant amount of impact in the industry, the 400 or so graduates uh, um, at the time that we started this program, you know, the, um, the, the mostly the approach to reliability engineering was uh, doing, uh, um, for instance, uh, uh, data analysis. You know, getting some data, uh, doing uh, uh, essentially reliability validation or reliability. Uh, analysis uh, from the traditional 217, for instance, approaches and so on. Yeah. Uh, very standard type methods. But the graduates that came out of the program, they started actually introducing more modern techniques of big data analysis, uh, um, more sophisticated computational methods, Bayesian analyses, uh, physics of failure analyses. The kinds of things that actually now that you go to RAMS conferences, you start seeing these more modern techniques, more advanced techniques coming and finding its way to reliability engineering. So I, 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 assume, I assume more modeling techniques also. Many more modeling techniques, especially in, in, in systems uh, analysis, systems technique, uh, both in modeling of the physics, uh, physics of failure models, um, statistical models, uh, probabilistic models, uh, uh, logic-based models, uh, you know, learning methods such as the uh, Bayesian network type uh, uh, leaf networks. You know, a lot of these machine learning has been become more recently made its way into in, into reliability. So the models of of data, learning from data 
uh, you know, unsupervised or supervised learning. All of these are, are, are things that, you know, a graduate from the program would come out knowing rather well. Um, and they may or may not use it when they enter a job, a particular <laughs> job, but, uh, but they would, you know, if whatever they would do in that job, they would do it at their best because they you know, it really, it really sounds like we're talking about the transition from just running tests and collecting a lot of data versus uh, being more actively engaged in the design process. And, 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 and that's, that is true. Um, there has been a, uh, a more, uh, um, uh, significant um, um, intrusion of reliability engineering dia- during the design process. It used to be an afterthought, essentially, originally when when the ideas were were coming up. So we we were, um, you know, designers would design a system and they would say, okay, reliability engineers would just uh, kind of evaluate that and then see if they meet the requirements, let's say a given mean time between failure or mean time to failure requirement. That was basically the reliability job. That's right. (laughs) These these are completely changed, completely changed to a more proactive uh, uh, involvement of, of a reliability engineer from the, the beginning when when only at the inception of a design is in place all the way to the to the design being made make it in the field you know and and they would stay from um you know the 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 point of the beginning to all the way to the end uh, right and so that has been the case for reliability engineers yes Dr. Madaris, I'm curious about your students, um, your typical students. I, I, uh, I, I know it's very common for experienced, uh, you know, uh, business people to go back to school to get a degree like an MBA. Mm-hmm. Are you finding um, more students who are experienced engineers who have a career who are interested in returning to school? Um, and I guess I'm wondering if there's getting if they're getting support for the, from their employers to uh, to pursue an advanced degree. Thank you. This is a very good question, and uh, uh, the 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 answer is 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 a uh, uh, is a is definitely a, a yes answer to this. And uh, originally, when we started the program, our students were typic- typically the students who would go from undergrad or maybe after a couple of years uh, they wanted to change their career. They would come to call, to the university and then they get a degree because they wanted to kind of change their career. Right, right. Uh, these days, as uh, we the, we are we we started seeing actually more and more uh, companies recognizing that they really do need uh, to re-educate uh, their human resources and, and engineering resources, uh, especially in the areas of reliability uh, engineering, and so. Now, nowadays, more than half of our students are actually uh, people who are coming from um, the or sponsored by their companies or government agencies. That's fantastic. Find, That's yes. great. So we find them in two different groups. Uh, one group are the ones that actually get funding uh, from their agencies. Um, and they spend uh, their time here on campus uh, fully 
um, they get their degrees, either a, a master or a PhD, and then they leave back to their job. Of course, they have some relationship with their company that um, I guess they would uh, get this, uh, you know, possibility. Often is the case that they have to go back and work for the company for a while. Sure. Um, or their organization. So we get people in that category from a lot from uh, uh, more so from government agencies. So we get from Navy, NASA, or we get people from um, uh, Nuclear Regulatory Commission, Department of Energy, and also um, Euro- a couple of European countries and especially Australian uh, defense. We get uh, students who are coming past 10, 15 years, constantly one or two or three sponsored by these organizations. They spend two, three years. NRC, for instance, gives three years scholarship to students, to, to their employee, to come here, get a PhD, and they go back uh, to NRC. They mostly come here to do risk analysis. Right. And, uh, um, and they collect. This. The good thing is a win-win situation because they, get, uh, they, they collect their full salary and at the same time they get an education. And the employee gets a guarantee that they will go back to work for them and uh, get benefit of them when they return. Right. So that was one category, people who are actually on campus. We have a second category, and these are people who are mostly in the master's program, rarely in the PhD. Um, these are people who actually get their education through online uh, connection to our courses. Right. Um, and uh, we get at least uh, 15 or so, uh, 15 to 20 students a year on the program. So it takes them about two or three years to finish. Sure. They take like one course a semester and they are our courses are on, online. Um, and once we take it, when we offer a class in the classroom, it changes to a video and that video becomes immediately available to those on off campus students. They can interact with the instructor through the Internet and through the website of the course. There's a lot of discussion mediums and a lot of it's been really really successful and i can tell you one one uh thing they do as good and often in, at least in the classes i've been teaching as good or sometimes even better than the students who are um, on on campus well and dave uh, they you know give some it's obviously a lot more convenient if, um, for them especially if they're working people and it is very convenient the reason is because uh they would be essentially when they get that video, they can, uh, they still have to, to go by the speed of the class, which is mm-hmm. one week. Every week we have, you know, one of these classes, but then they can watch that video and study it anytime they want. They don't have to go nine o'clock to the class. They can watch that video of the class on Saturday or in the evening. Exactly. So that gives them freedom, but still they have to do the same homeworks, the same effort and all that. Sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they do all very well, you know, and we have had at least 200 graduates of this program online who Mm -hmm. have been Mm -hmm. outside. Yeah. 
You know, Dr. Medaris, this opportunity to work with experienced engineers who are coming back to school after some time, you know, perhaps in mid-career um, and maybe, you know, bringing some real world problems from their current employer, whether it's a, a government agency or a business, um, that, that's got to create some some tremendous opportunities to uh, collaborate with Absolutely. In industry. Um, unfortunately, we don't have time to go into a lot of detail on this, but I wonder if you could give us some examples yes. of some of the projects that your students have worked on that have had some uh, big impact on our understanding. Uh, all our uh, our courses have projects at the end. You know, um, uh, they have uh, class projects. And uh, students usually bring in uh, really uh, real-world problems uh, from outside people who are really on the companies. And eventually these problems, uh, we as instructors also need to learn. We also, when we teach, we learn at the same time. Good point. Good and point. Learn from them uh, these problems and invariably these problems will make it to our, uh, to our uh, notes and, 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 and examples uh, that we would offer in the future classes. So I can at least tell you that, that if not, 10% or 20% of our examples of the class actually come from the experience of the students from previous classes. Sure. That's fantastic. Yeah, they have been. So, I mean, I can provide specifics, but there are, you know, more of these existing. No, that makes it, that keeps it alive, right? I mean, it means that, uh, that we're, we're really using our, our new understandings to continue to, uh, to build the, the uh, program. Absolutely. And it, it makes a synergy in the class and brings the class up to date with what's going on out, out there in the field. So we are not really in the ivory tower doing <laughs> presentations. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, and I, I, I would also expect, I, I, I don't know what kind of partnerships you might have with, uh, with people in, in, in industry, but um, do, do you see examples of, uh, uh, projects being brought to CRR for investigation? Uh, of course. Uh, I mean, through these students, you mean the students who are, uh, who were part of the program or you're just generally outside? Well, either way, I, I wonder if businesses are coming to CRR asking you to do some research in certain areas. Students are really big uh, resources for us. When they go back, they know our capabilities and they've been really, um, you know, uh, very helpful uh, pro promoters of our, our capabilities when they go back to their to their industry. And we do get uh, quite a bit of funding from uh, f from these uh, people when they go back to their companies and uh, and work. So we do have uh, uh, a CRRs, uh, most of its uh, research funding, uh, which essentially also funds our on-campus students for scholarships and uh, assistantships mostly comes from the government agencies, essentially. Yes. Um, because they have these kinds of pro the big problems that we try to solve, and, and it gives us plenty of time to solve them. Um, because a PhD takes two, three years, and we cannot uh, interrupt it. Mostly the problems of the corporations are shorter term. It's not to say that we don't do those. We do. We do some of it, but, uh, but, you know, they are more on the shorter basis. So we do have cooperative agreements with, you know, uh, USNRC, Office of 
uh, you know, uh, Naval Research, uh, yes. uh, NASA, USDA, uh, um, with the, some other research centers such as the Norwegian Institute of Technology, uh, uh, with the Department of Defense of uh, uh, Australia, and so on. With companies here, we also do have uh, ongoing relationships with, you know, Wiley Corporation. Uh, ARES Corporation, Corning, you know, we, we, we've been doing, these are just to name a few. Mm. Uh, we do, we do ha- have, you know, more shorter term efforts with the companies, as I said, much longer term relationship with the government organizations. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Dr. Madaris, this has been great. Thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting That was Dr. Mohamed Madaris, Director of the Center for Risk Reliability at the University of Maryland in College Park. For more information about the Center for Risk and Reliability, please visit crr.umd.edu. This is Tim Rogers. Thanks for joining us.